Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So uh, let me ask you something. What uh, What is your your measuring stick? What's the metric or metrics that you use to make sure you're in the ballpark, you're um, in the groove, you're on your way, you're in your stride, if you will, for fulfilling your life purpose? And, you know, it's a curious thing because life purpose is so unique to all of us, no two per se, look the same, and yours doesn't have to match anyone in your group of friends, in your family. Oftentimes, our life purpose can take a tangent, like a bug ricocheting off the windshield, and and we leave the pack that we grew up with, and we start a whole new trajectory and a whole new tangent. You know, it's... uh, it's quite evident that the collective consciousness got turned on its head with the uh, the 2020 uh, narrative. And if you're if you're listening to this show, you you've got a, a spiritual bone in your body, and and you become aware of that. And you know, it going through the the awakening process as an individual. It's kind of like you wake up in a tsunami or a hurricane and the wind's blowing and you incarnate into a tough family dynamic and there's some really challenging learning curves for you. And uh, and through all of that, you you find your center, you find this this divine spark at the core of your being and you you plant your spiritual legs and you learn how to stand up in the storm and you it's like you walk out of the hurricane dripping wet soaked and 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 you shake yourself off and and you you get your presence you get rooted grounded in your body and then you roll up your sleeves and you turn around and you go right back in. But this time you know who you are. You know why you're here. You know what your purpose is. And you can go back into that tsunami, into that hurricane, into that chaotic collective consciousness narrative, grounded, centered in who you are and why you're here and help other people find their own way. I think uh, many, many people on the planet are going to, in these days, in these months, in these next few years, perhaps have a completely new dynamic, a new narrative, a new direction for their life that their soul intended before they were even born. Well, you know, I think we're in for just a delightful episode tonight, so I want to get right to it. Tonight, the topic is, when the bright moon rises. 
the awakening of ancient memories. That's the name of our guest's latest book. Our guest tonight is Dina Merriam, and we're going to bring her on in just a minute. But uh, um, D- Dina brings such a, a wonderful um, narrative, perspective, insight into this conversation tonight. She's I'm delighted to have to have her back on the show. I think we're going to have a great time. She is an author, storyteller, and she's the founder and governor of the Global Peace Initiative of Women, bringing spiritual resources to address critical global challenges. Let me read that again. Bringing spiritual resources to address critical global challenges. You reckon the globe has had some challenges the last few years? Such challenges as conflict, social justice, and ecological scarring of the earth. Over the years, she has worked to bring great gender balance and balance between the Abrahamic and Dharma-based religious traditions for a more inclusive interfaith movement. I think uh, more inclusive interfaith will be a narrative we see um, really unfolding. P- please join me in welcoming her to the show. Welcome to the show, Dina. Thank you, Les, for having me back. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Now, you've written quite a book, When the Bright Moon Rises, and it, it, it talks about... Um, past lives, and it's it's really um, a love story, but but in the context of past past lives, and and when we look at the thread of our lifetimes, I mean, for, for myself, when I started doing past life regressions, um, when I very first started it, I didn't really, I didn't have any clue with how it was going to change my life. But um, can you share with us um, how the the past life narrative came into your own dynamic and became a part of, of your teachings? You know, it's, it's, um, it's something that I've just uh, felt keenly since I was a teenager, really. I mean, I always knew that I, um, it's not my first time around here, <laughs> um, but I've, I really had a strong interest. It was never something I questioned, but I had a strong interest in trying to understand uh, the workings of cause and effect, things that happen in our lives, people that we meet. Wh- wh- why? Where does that come from? I mean, clear- clearly it's not happenstance. You meet some and immediately have a strong connection with them. Well, you know that this is not the beginning, that this is just a continuation. Um, if you're drawn terribly to some, some work, some uh, or whatever talents that you have, um, that all came from somewhere. Um, and it, when I was in my 30s, I began to have very r- vivid recollections. And they increased, and this, I finally started writing about them, um, you know, unsure of how public really, how the public would respond. But I found that this is much more um, better understood today and accepted than, say, 20 years ago. I mean, that's one of the changes, I think, 
that's happening is that people are understanding the law of cause and effect, the law of karma, I mean, as, as they understand gravity. I mean, there was a time when people didn't know about gravity, and then suddenly they see that this is a law that, that functions in the physical world. But there's spiritual laws, too. One of them is the law of cause and effect, <clears throat> that everything that you do and think and say <clears throat> leads to something else. Has, has a rebound, so to speak. It's a very complex um, uh, process, so to speak. It's not, you know, it's, it, it, it really takes a lot of insight and, and a perception to, under, to see the connections. But the more you see, the more magnificent it becomes. And, and you know that there's, we meet each other again and again, that a love that's not fulfilled is fulfilled at a later time. That's one of the there are many, many stories in this book, and one of the stories is that a love that couldn't be fulfilled at a certain time, much, much later, many, many lifetimes later, finds its fulfillment at a more appropriate time when it can come to completion in a greater way. The interesting thing for me, uh, there are many interesting things, because when I write, I receive a teaching. You know, I'm I'm also just hearing and seeing things, and aha, it's like I, I begin to see connections but I hadn't felt any connection to China previously. And in this book, uh, I talk, I, I've always known I had a deep connection to India, and I talk about a very ancient life in India. And then I recount three lives that took place in China over a period of several hundred years. And I came to feel deeply the Chinese part of myself, the Taoist, which I knew nothing about Taoism before writing this book. And I suddenly realized how relevant it is now because China is becoming a very important player on the world stage right now. We have to know China. We have to relate to China. And I hope it's not in a purely adversarial way, but I hope we can come to a deeper spiritual, a deeper connection with the spiritual energy of China because there's an ancient spiritual energy there. And my hope in writing this book was that people, you know, we've all passed through so many countries and so many cultures and so many bodies and so many names that people can access that, that, that spiritual part of China. And so we relate not just to the political reality of what it is today, one has to deal with that, no question, but there is another aspect that we can relate to. And I, I through my Global Peace Initiative, have worked with young people around the world and I've worked with a number of Chinese young people and they are also accessing their spiritual, their personal and their collective spiritual energy. So, you know, a part of the hope for the world is that the spiritual energy sort of accelerates and awakens at a quicker pace so that we can um, move beyond conflict and move beyond uh, the, some of the, the um, negative behaviors that we, that we see today. Yeah, I, you know, the... Um, we might look at the uh, the Chinese and think of them from their political um, or government um, st- stature or stance, and they very well could look at us from our political stance. And and because we've been the, the United States has been engaged in some pretty s- stout conflicts over the years, and like you were saying the the people of china not per se the government or the politics but 
there are people in China that are coming into their their spiritual awakening just like Americans are. And actually, people from all over the world were waking up. And it seems like really kind of a grassroots um, new narrative that's coming out of the everyday rank and file, so to speak. So, so totally, yeah, I agree. And and when I used to travel a lot around the world, as I did until COVID really made me stop, um, I, I I would always say to people, don't see don't see me as an as part of the American government. See me as just a person living in America, a spiritual seeker. And I often say to them, there's a, there's, there's a whole another America that that is not visible, not in the media, and that's the spiritual America. And, right. and that's what I represent, the spiritual America. And I think the same thing is true of many countries, and I think that's true of China as well. There is a spiritual China that doesn't get into the news, and that's the one we have to relate to. Right. Well, you know, um, with your um, vast experience with uh, past lives, if if there's new listeners to the show um, – and and perhaps our listeners have raised kids because I was thinking about this before the show started. Our our kids can have uh, you know such unique and different personalities one from another, and sometimes those personalities don't show up when they're children when they're really young, but as they come into like the teenage years. It's like a whole a whole different persona can can kind of evolve out of them. How does how does our past lives um, kind of the momentum of our past life and our past lives in a in a recent sense? How does that influence us as far as a personality or as far as a um, I don't know, a karmic disposition as we come into this incarnation? Well, I think we carry elements not just of our previous birth, but, but numerous previous births. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, over a dozen past births, and I can see elements from each one that have stayed with me, sometimes just as a love, as a love for, you know, I, I have a, a love for ballet. Well, I was once a dancer. I have a love for poetry. I was once a poet. Uh, uh, I, I've had two children, two sons, and when my children were young, I was able to see elements of who they were just previously because they carried those interests with them uh, in their youth. And then, of course, as they get into their teenage years, the focus begins to shift from the past to the present to who they're going to, begins to formulate who their, their current work begins to coalesce, so to speak, their current interests, their current personality. And uh, they, they, they gradually leave behind. It may stay as a, as a, as a minor interest, but they leave behind um, the focus that they'd come in with as a child because that's no longer their life's work for the current, for the current life. Um, that's, that's, you know, an interest that from the past, and so, so if you if you look at yourself, you see that you ha- you're you're uh, an amalgam of so many things. It's not just one thing. You know, we have many interests. You know, uh, and people bring out different interests in us. So you can see as you as you grow through life, how you you come in with a lot of um, a lot of um, 
tendencies from the past. And then if there are things unfinished, you have to work on them. But gradually you're, you're, um, you're guided or you're led to develop what you came into this life for because we all come in with specific objectives. Sometimes it's to complete a relationship that hasn't been completed, to fulfill uh, 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 an ambition, a desire. You know, if you, you want to be wealthy or if you want to be in this job or this career or that career, um, we come in with certain intentions and we spend many, many years trying to fulfill that. And then toward the end of, you know, as you grow, continue to grow, you begin to set the foundation for the future what your future uh, uh, work is going to be. And that's uh, a whole other stage in life as you begin to lay the blueprints for, for your next birth. I like that, um, say, setting yourself up for the future. You know, the even just a few years ago, 2019 seems like it's something you'd look at in a museum. It seems so far away <laughs> because... For many people, um, they might not have been as consciously aware of their their life path, their life purpose. We might have been on cruise control, so to speak, metaphorically. And here we are. Um, I think I'm just I'm just ecstatic about how much change there's happening all over the planet, and how that kind of a narrative is so rare. If we look at the history of humanity, there's Rome and Egypt and and all these narratives, but there's they're just compartmentalized parts of the world, and and certainly a, a very profound dynamic might have unfolded in those in those eras. But 2020 was a global event, and who would and have I, thought? <laughs> that a microscopic virus could bring the world to a halt. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I think there were the two things that converged, um, and and I think that that they've left deep imprints on everyone. One is the virus that 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 really created a global pause. I mean, travel stopped. People stopped going into work. I mean, people really were forced to pause. But the other thing was we began seeing many more visible signs of climate change, which is a big, a big shift, you know. I mean, you can no longer just look the other way. You know, we've, we've had wildfires and severe droughts and severe flooding and severe hurricanes just here in America. And so you had to take note of that. I mean, unless you just really want to put your head in the sand, you know, and so, so, there are a lot of questions about the future. You know, well, 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 well where do we stand? <laughs> How are we going to behave? <laughs> what are we going to do? Right. You know, it created a, a it really created a, a space for reflection and for questioning. And I think a lot of people began to look at their lives a little differently in, in the light of all this. Right. Well, so for example, uh, if I wanted to be a, a rocket scientist and I incarnated 300 years ago, tough cookies. I mean, they're just, it wasn't an, an environment for rocket science. And, uh, and then there's um, 
a spiritual teacher? What if Jesus had Twitter? What if Jesus had a YouTube channel? I mean, the rank and file human being on the planet has the ability to communicate with the entire planet. I mean, the technology well, of the internet is here yeah. now. And and what I'm getting at is um, uh, there's so much spiritual um, teachings that are available online. There's so many blogs and books and and authors and teachers that that make a lot of the esoteric teachings really available by the click of a mouse. And and one one last point, the whole of humanity got turned on its head in the last year or two and they're hungry for a better understanding of the mechanics of life. What a rich, rich, rich environment for somebody to don their life purpose in and really thrust in the sickle to influence the collective consciousness in an extremely powerful way. What do you think? That's that's true. I think I think any technology, you know, it depends on the consciousness of the people. Technology is neutral, and it depends on the consciousness of the people who use it. The, like the atomic energy, it can it can have a positive, it can have a negative effect. It could be extremely destructive. So so the internet. Uh, has had enormous positive benefit, uh, especially at this time, connecting us. You know, if we had COVID without Zoom, it would have been much difficult for a lot of people to continue on with their life and to work. Uh, but then you have the dark side of the Internet that, that is very challenging. How do we deal with all this misinformation? Anybody can say anything and have millions of people believe it. So, right. so there, you know, it's it's... You know, I always say to people, the solution to our problems is really consciousness raising. You know, I mean, we, we, we have to uh, um, elevate the consciousness, bring out the more awakened uh, being in ourselves so that we don't misuse. There's, you know, we have now artificial intelligence, which is going to have enormous implications for the future, both positive but potentially negative. So, so we, have to, we have to cultivate the wisdom to have technology without the wisdom to use it for benefit uh, puts us in a, in, a, in a dangerous position. So I think the, the, um, the spread of, of meditation and other spiritual practices is coming at a very opportune moment because we really have to gain the wisdom to use these technologies wisely. Yeah, right. I, I like that, uh, to be able to discern. And, uh, discernment in and of itself is a spiritual principle, kind of how do you discern the truth using your own persona as the as the measuring stick or the BS detector. You know, we were talking the other day on the phone about um, archetypes of the past, and, and maybe it's time to um, reevaluate or perhaps reinvent the notion of some of our archetypes because the, I mean, just a hundred years ago, there just wasn't that much communication globally. And, and so a lot of the sacred texts and the sacred teachings today are available um, through the internet, through books and whatnot. And so 
Um, I think the rank and file idea, uh, idea of an alchemist, um, an alchemist 200 years ago might not understand the the quantum field. And if we if we don't understand the mechanics of alchemy, um, in other words, if we have a, just a rudimentary understanding of it, we can't really uh, uh, use uh, put weight on the fulcrum of it. In other words. Uh, harvest the bounty of what alchemy can accommodate, but with with quantum physics and and epigenetics and and kind of the the next layer deep of understanding, I think my hunch is that we're going to see uh, a new embodiment of the notion of the old school alchemist or mystic and and like jesus said you guys are going to do everything i will do and more i i think with it's like we're coming out of the pressure cooker and the human heart is hungry for a more authentic narrative and i, I think, think you're right yeah i think that's right i think people are authentic and uh, people are seeking an authentic narrative and i think the archetypes you know will reflect uh um you know, the shift in consciousness. Um, and I, I hadn't thought about that, but what you said to me made a lot of sense. The alchemist now being maybe the quantum physicist uh, who understands how to change matter, uh, who understands the, some of the principles of, 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 of matter. Um, I, think, I think, yeah, I, we're going to be seeing things with new eyes. Um, and you're right, it is an exciting time. Um, but we all have to... Um, it's like it's like we can't we can't be lazy in this lifetime because there's so many uh, possibilities. <laughs> it's right, not just so a, right. well, not just on a cruise this time around. <laughs> we sit well, back and relax. It's like we we have to work on our our consciousness. It's such an opportunity. I mean, it, it's just rich with um, humanity's hungry, and and when you when you find your spiritual bearing so to speak and you come out of the chaotic storm and then you turn around and and you go to help others people are very very hungry for a more authentic story so i see it as a very exciting time to be alive and like you say i um to, to honor our life purpose is um uh, a very important part of this next step I think people people also are, are are looking for some answers, so they want a story that's that's going to address some of the challenges of our time. You know, I mean, we stand at a at a moment that doesn't come often, where we are going through shifts uh, uh, in the external world. You know, shifts in the climate. There'll be shifts in in uh, you know, it's naturally going to affect everybody the way we live, and as you said, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to create something new and different, and I think it's going to be the young generation uh, who are going to lead that way in creating right. something new and different. You know, I think we're living with a lot of um, systems that are have outlived their time. Economic, political, I mean, everything needs to be sort of regenerated, uh, you know, from from A to Z, so to speak. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't mean in a, in a in a 
in a violent way, I mean in a way that really infuses new thinking. You know, and I think it's happening. I think it's beginning to happen. I think there are a lot of people thinking about uh, our, our social and economic problems and, and how to improve things, how to make things better, to reflect a higher consciousness. Uh, uh, and, but I think it, it just will take time. We have to have patience. You know, we're, we're, we, there's no question we're in the middle of it now. We've, you know, we've talked about a shift for a decade or more, but now we're in it. <laughs> right. We've talked about climate change for, for how many, 20, 30 years. Well, now we're in it. <laughs> well, you, you bring up a good point, and I, I, I completely concur that um, the old school ways of doing things are, are just not compatible with our future. So our education, our finances, our political, I mean, pretty much the whole ball of wax needs a new narrative and and that's going to come through the human persona so many souls have prepared to be the seeds of the new dynamic the new economics the new health the new agriculture the new politics and they they set themselves up with past lives to incarnate into this life so at this birth point, at 2020, when, when, the, when the narrative flips over, now is the time for the new seeds to sprout with the new narratives, the new dynamics, the new structures. So if I'm a listener to the show and I've worked in economics and my soul is showing me new models of it, new, um, new structures of economic commerce, how do I teach my ego the importance of me to be able to take something that doesn't exist on the planet and bring it through my soul's inspiration into physical form? Because a lot of times our souls, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of times our egos were never conditioned to flip a narrative, to bring a new dynamic in, and yet I'm sure there's droves of people on the planet whose life path is just that. How do we how do we teach our ego how to honor such a new dynamic within our own life path? Well, I think that I think there's always resistance because the, the ego doesn't 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 like change. You know, it it even if even if the current situation is not great, it'd rather stay in the current situation. Then right. go for the unknown. Change represents the unknown, right? And so the ego is always going to resist. And you know, we need to, we need to uh, sort of awaken in us the qualities. Courage is one thing. Courage, uh, 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 insight, vision, uh, and deep reflection on on what 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 kind of changes would be beneficial. You know what. What, what, what are the things that we have to change? You know, I say that to young people. I said, I always say to them, you have to have a vision for, for, what, for what you want to create. You know, you, you, have to, you have to really reflect on what are the principles of the world you want to live in. What is right. the society you want to build for your children? You know, so, so these are the questions that I know a lot of young people are, are grappling with. You know, and... Um, 
And the ego, you know, the ego w- will do its thing because that's what the ego does. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna want to uh, be in charge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Resist change. You know. You know. It, well, it now, doesn't like change. Well, now in your uh, um, understanding of the reincarnation process and the causality and karma of multiple lifetimes and and the soul's journey. What are some common um, principles that are in effect in people's lives that are bringing the momentum, so to speak, of the past lives into this life? In, in other words, if, if um, reincarnation and, and past lives are new to me, how can I look at my own life dynamic and perhaps recognize what I brought with me at, from the soul level and what I've created for myself within the context of just this lifetime? Well, people often think of the most obvious things, which would be relationships and and work situations. It could be financial uh, situation. But I think the 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 real work is on patterns of behavior. If you, you we all have certain patterns of behavior that we want to change. You know, it may be that you're um, you put things off. You know, when something has to be done, you just put it off and you put it off and you put it off, and that's really hard for you to change. You know, your 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 mother, your partner keeps after you about that and that's just a pattern of behavior that you have well that's obviously something that has been with you for a while which is why it's difficult to change because it's ingrained in 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 our it's the groove in the brain that keeps that we've repeated this several times i had noticed a pattern in myself uh, which was i had a complete lack of confidence in myself i was very very shy as a child i was very afraid to speak even in a small gathering I had to work very hard and I as I saw into my past I saw that that pattern had been repeated in me again and again where I just had no confidence uh, to speak out to express my my thoughts Uh, and I had to work hard to change that in myself there were other patterns of behavior so we all know we know we may not talk about it openly, but we all know that there's certain things that we have trouble changing about ourselves that we'd like to change. We'd like to be this or that, but but it's hard. And if something is hard, <laughs> that means <laughs> it's something that you've been, that has been with you for a while, and that's why it's hard to change. If it's a new thing, then it's easy to change a new habit. If something becomes an ingrained habit, you know, in other words, if you just start drinking coffee and you drank coffee for a year and you want to stop, well, it's not so hard to stop. But if you've been drinking coffee all your life and you want to stop, it's much harder to stop. So, so the things that are hard to do are things, patterns of behavior that have been with us for a long time. And those are the ones that we have to change or we'll have to change them in the future. If we don't uh, work on them now, they'll be with us in the future. And at some point, We'll have to develop the willpower to change them. Well, I like that, but but change, like we were saying, the ego can can avoid change, and it can be extremely clever about avoiding change. How do we like um, sprinkle 
flower on the kitchen floor to see if we've been sleepwalking. I mean, how do we, how do we um, kind of I think, I think, bring our, how, it, you know what I mean, bring our awareness around to have a more comprehensive evaluation of ourselves? Well, I think, I think uh, reflection is very important to really look at yourself objectively, which, I mean, you know, meditation obviously is, 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 is not it's not reflection. It's it's a it's a deeper process of of stilling the mind. But there are but meditation and prayer and any kind of spiritual practice helps us see ourselves more objectively. And so we can look at ourselves and say, okay, this is who I want to become, and this, this is where the obstacles are. You know, um, you know if if um, I know. Many people, myself included, early on when I started practicing meditation, I would do everything possible to avoid it, make any excuse to this or that or the other thing. Uh, right. it, it was the ego not wanting to, 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 be, to be quieted and not wanting to, to do that process of reflection. Uh, it's much easier to keep yourself busy doing this or that. <laughs> and so, but, but if we do want to change, and I think that, that a lot of times when we have goals we want to reach, you know, you want this job or that job, it seems out of reach. If we do serious reflection and we see the qualities that, or the behavior patterns that are preventing us from doing, from reaching that goal, um, then we're better able to achieve our life's objectives. So I think, I think for any spiritual seeker, sometime for, for really uh, uh, objective reflection so that we can work on ourselves because um, we're all constantly working on ourselves. That's never, we never finish that, that process. Everyone needs this time of reflection. If you're, on, if you're really seeking to, to, um, to improve your life. Right. Well, when it comes to change, we can, we can kind of be half-assed about it where we like just poke at it with a stick and then we can get real serious about it and roll up our sleeves. How do you, how would you describe the value? In other words, say I, I've had a repetitive pattern in multiple lifetimes of uh, low self-esteem or whatever, and I recognize it in this lifetime. What are some of the understandings that the ego can have about the value of, of, um, getting serious about it. I mean, uh, getting intentional about it as far as uh, changing the momentum or trajectory that our soul has had over the past several lifetimes. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not a, a quick, it's not a quick fix. It takes a lifetime of work. I know that I had several challenges early in my life and it was when I actually saw my, my past that I was able to see how and where these these patterns developed, and I was be able to more consciously. And then I had I had a I had to develop ways, you know. So for me, I I was very shy and had very little confidence in myself. I forced myself to go out and speak. Uh, um, I, I it's it's still something that I have to work with myself with because I'm I'm much more comfortable sitting in front of a computer writing than going out and speaking. And so right. you have to you have to um, come up with ways that you can overcome 
the inhibitions or the, the fears or the concerns that you have. Um, and, and it takes many years. It's, it's not something that overnight you go, aha, oh, well, I'm over that one now. You have to right. work at it. But then when you can look back and see the progress that you've made in the lifetime, or if you have a troubled relationship. Uh, I had a family member with who I had a troubled relationship, and I had to work for, for, not, for many, many years. And finally, we have a wonderful relationship now. But it took a complete shift in my mindset because instead of blaming this other person, I saw that, that um, the situation helped me grow, helped me speak out, helped me develop compassion. And so any negative situation can turn into a positive situation. If you, it's just shifting your attitude, shifting your understanding. And I'd say that, you know, if, we, if, every, if you look at your life, there, there's always going to be some difficult relationship. It could be a parent, it could be a partner, it could be a work relationship. That's what you've got to work on because that's something that's come to you from the past. Of course, you know, the wonderful relationships too, and that's come from the past, but you don't have to worry about those. You don't have to work on those. But the ones that are challenging, that's what you have to work on. If you have financial difficulties, you know, what to do, you just can't get ahead. You're always behind in your bills. That's something that's come with you for some reason. may not be able to see why, but you have to come up with ways to overcome that. And, and so whatever challenge we're facing in our life, we have to, come, we have to get, get, gather this, the, the conviction, the determination, the willpower, and develop the insight and have the patience because these fixes never happen immediately. Um, it, it's always involved, involved, uh, involves a, a complete shift in attitude. So the answers are within us. I mean, I realized the person I had a difficult relationship with, she didn't change at all. She's still the same person she was before. It's I who changed. I changed. <laughs> I have a wonderful right. relationship now because I changed. <laughs> right. Well, I, I incarnated into a really um, intense religious household, and... I was uh, um, in my senior year of high school. Um, they had a seminary, so one one class out of the day could be religious. And my grades for seminary were A A F F. I went from standing in the front of the class as the the president of the class to sitting in the back of the class, and and the what i'm getting at is the um i incarnated to into a religious environment so i could question everything i was told about god and spirituality and whatnot and for a long time i was very bitter about that but then i turn around and look at what why my soul chose me chose for me to incarnate into that environment um, I now value it immensely because I learned how to question. I learned how to question yeah. in a in a very um, independent way. And being the last of seven kids, I could think whatever I wanted. Nobody cared what I thought. So I had fierce freedom in my thinking, and I was challenged with all of my thinking. And I look back and I see that as gold to me. So. As a, for listeners to this show, 
I mean, you can imagine Bach or Mozart incarnating into a musical environment that is supportive or somebody incarnating into a hostile household with domestic violence. How can we kind of sift through our past and see the gold nuggets of why our souls chose that dynamic for ourselves? That, that, that um, I think, takes deep spiritual work to be able to really understand why you have certain situations, especially the challenging ones, a health challenge or financial disaster, death, you know, loss of a loved one early in life, loss of a child. I mean, these, these are the most challenging situations. And, I mean, the, the, the causes lie in the past, and one may not be able to discern the causes, but you can work with your attitude and, and see that something is to be gained from every experience. There's growth that can come about from every experience, even if it just makes you more grateful for what you have. You know, if there's a loss, we'll be grateful for what hasn't been lost. I mean, I think one of the most important spiritual qualities is gratitude. And so, you know, if you look at, look at our, our current situation in, in the country, but there's a lot to be grateful for. There's a lot to be grateful for. It could have been, it could have been so much worse. It's like we were giving a warning. We were, we were, we were given a, 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 a forced pause, but it, it really could have been a lot worse. <laughs> and, 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 and even those people who, who suffered losses, there's always something to be grateful for. And I think attitudes has such a role to play on the spiritual journey. You know, it's, it's um, you know, the, the glass is half empty or it's half full. I mean, people, I know a lot of spiritual people are talking about collapse. Things aren't working to collapse. And I always say you can focus on the collapse or you can focus on the birth, what's being born now, what's merging. You know, whatever's going to happen, you know, to the structures that we have is going to happen because they're not reflecting a higher consciousness. But why put your energy into that? Why put your energy into tearing down? Put your energy into building up, into envisioning right. something new. Envisioning that's something what, new. Yeah, into envisioning something new. And, and we have to, you know, be attentive to what's going on in the outside world at all levels, economic, political. We have to be aware of all of that, but not to put our energy into it, to put our energy into the creation of something new, a new vision for the human community, a new way of living that's going to be much sounder for the future, much, much brighter for the future. Well spoken. Amen. I mean, we're, we're, it's like the Phoenix effect. We've had our old self burned off, so to speak, not, I mean, in a in a general sense, 2020 uh, cleaned the canvas, so to speak, and we have a, a new opportunity to create. And so, like you say, I totally love what you say. Don't focus on the collapse of what wasn't working. Focus on what we want to create. Um, we've got about um, six minutes left. For myself, um, what past life regression did for me was 
Teach me about the continuity of my consciousness. So often our egos can be scared to death of death that, oh, my God, when I, 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 I just can't die. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And yet once you see the, the thread of your soul over many, many lifetimes, you realize that our egos don't have any a decisive factor. The continuity of our consciousness is assured. We can't, we can bugger up this life all we want, but once we cross over, yes, we can create a karmic momentum to be resolved later, but all the lessons will be learned and we'll still be here at, at the root of our consciousness, the truth of our consciousness, that soul level persona identity. And that, for myself, has given me great peace, great peace that no matter what happens in this lifetime, I have continuity. How, how has your study of multiple lives, past life regression and whatnot, changed your perspective about how you approach this lifetime? Well, I, I would agree with you fully that it's, it's it given me a sense of continuity that there is no end. Death is just moving into another room. I go, I go to another place, uh, uh, and then I'll come back here. Um, uh, maybe not indefinitely, but maybe a few more times <laughs> to see who I can serve. Uh, it, it, it's changed my perspective and, and, and given that sense of continuity. But also, most importantly, it's shown me the power of love. Because love is the very foundation of this universe, and love relationships don't die. Love is a very we don't we don't we don't realize the power of love to heal to uplift, and that is what we bring with us when we leave this world. We take with us that love. We take those who have loved us, those we have loved. If it's if it's a true love, uh, uh, you know, many many um, expressions of human love have have. Uh, um, ego and selfish intent, but there is a higher pure love, and that's the love I'm referring to, which is unconditional. It's not conditioned on, you know, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. It's an unconditional love, and that's the love that the great ones, the masters show us. That's the love that, that Jesus displayed equally for all. He didn't only love his disciples and not the others. It's equal love for all humanity and all creation. Uh, and that's the love I've experienced in my in my uh, narratives of my past lives. I talk about sages that I've met along the way. And then when the bright moon rises, there are two great women sages that I speak about. And what I took from them then and what I receive from them now is this unconditional, overwhelming love. And that love does not die. Love. Love, love. Well... I love that you brought up love to talk about love, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you talked about ego love and then that deeper love. How do we how do we heal our relationship with love? Because oftentimes people can be quote in love unquote, and then the cart tips over and they feel exquisite pain. How do we how do we heal our relationship with love where we're we're not apprehensive about 
having a painful experience if we were to engage love again? You know, love is, is, is a state of being. So it's not so much the kind of emotion that, oh, I love this person. That's, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's tied in with desire, you know. And, and I, I, but but, but being, being, being love or living in a place of love is a state of consciousness where you just are emitting goodness and, and beneficial energies to all who cross your path. And I think that's the higher state that we aspire for, that the sages, that's the consciousness that the sages live in. Uh, and and it's, it's um, I mean, that is what healed. I had mentioned a difficult relationship I had with a certain person in my family. That was how I was able to turn it around, just by loving this person without expecting that the behavior would change. I could still be abused. I could still be yelled at. Um, but I wasn't going to let that affect my ability to do whatever I could to make that person's life easier. And so in many small ways, we can practice attaining that or, 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 or manifesting that kind of love where we're not expecting anything back. It's, it's, it's not easy um, at times. <laughs> I know that. It's something that you know, we aspire to. As we grow spiritually, we can be in that state more and more. Often we just get glimpses of it, like for a moment, you know, you know, if you're in the presence of a great one, or if you read a story about a sage, you read some stories, and that's what people are drawn to Jesus, because he manifested that love. And there are, you know, many sages in India, uh, my own guru, uh, Yogananda, who passed away in 1952, he manifested that state of love. So there are, there are those beings uh, who who help lift us above our normal human consciousness so that we can taste what that divine consciousness is like. And once you have a taste of it, then you want it all the time. And you want to live in that state of, of, of you know, love, which brings such um, a joy that is, is not like any of the pleasures we experience in the world. It's of a different quality. Right. Well, very nice. Um, I want to turn our attention on you. Now, you've written a fabulous book. I, I really recommend, I highly recommend to our listeners to, to look at When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories, this latest book you've written. And it, and it, uh, it really um, lays out the story of past lives and, and there, it, it's a love story as well. It, if you're new to the past life genre, so to speak, uh, I think you've written a wonderful book to help people understand the mechanism of, of causality and karma from lifetime to lifetime. Can you take this time now and tell us how to get your book? Tell us about the Global Peace Initiative of Women and anything else related to your platform? Well, when the bright moon rises, you can find it on Amazon. Um, it should be in the bookstores soon. I don't think yet. Maybe uh, in a month or two it will be in the bookstores. But right now it's on Amazon. And I do have a, Facebook, a public page on Facebook, Dina Miriam public page, where I've been doing readings uh, from the book. Um, and then I think it, it's of interest to those who want to understand more about this law of cause and effect of karma. 
and who also are interested in, in tapping into the spiritual energy of both ancient India and China. Uh, this goes back, it starts way back in time, many, many thousands of years um, uh, BCE, uh, during the uh, Vedic times when the Rishis at a higher age were giving um, beautiful teachings on the nature of the universe. And then it jumps forward to, Indi- to China in the um, 8th century during a time of cultural flourishing. And it recounts the, the, the life of one of the great poets of that time, namely Bai. So anyone interested in India or China or this uh, law of cause and effect would find this interesting or anyone who wants a good love story. Um, now, my organization, the Global Peace Initiative of Women, that's my activist side where we do a lot of, we used to do a lot of peace dialogues. Now we're focusing more on peace with the earth, uh, climate change actions and, and environmental work. And for that, we have a website, gpiw.org. Um, and so you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, so there are many ways that you can find my books uh, on Amazon or through the website. Well, very nice. Very nice. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Well, I think the closing thought is in this time of change for us during this um, COVID time and the time of, of climate change, to see the possibility and the opportunities and how you can use this situation uh, for your own growth and for coming into greater understanding of how you can contribute both to your own, in your own journey and to the collective journey that we are on as a, as a nation and as a world community. So I hope everyone is able to use this time, uh, to use this time well. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you, Dina, for being back on the show again. I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Thank you, and be well. We've been talking with Dina Merriam, and the topic tonight is the name of her book, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. You know, it's uh, there's so much information about the evolution of consciousness, the, the, the spiritual growth of um, humanity. And I, I have to go back to the, the Jesus notion where he said, come on, come on, come on. You're going to do everything I have done and more. Imagine a world where legions of people are able to actually fulfill that promise. In other words, to to uh, learn how to perform miracles, learn how to heal the sick, learn how to manifest um, the, the Christ consciousness within their own personas. Jesus said flat out that we should expect that in our in our own narrative. So the the alchemy schools, the mystic schools, the schools of magic, however you want to contextualize it, those should crop up everywhere. And and humanity should belly up to the bar, so to speak, and really come around to expecting them to be you, me, us, to fully embody our potential where we can, as promised, 
perform miracles, heal the sick, etc., all through the the vehicle of our own consciousness. And I suggest the power that makes that possible is the power of love. Well, I want to thank you, the listener, for spending this time with us tonight. It's my my passion and my purpose to bring you episodes like this to help awaken the power in you. It's time for the 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 citizens to really claim their own personal power. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.